let us go into the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here this morning? Are you thankful that you have a place where you can go to call on Jesus? Um, I wanted to thank Brother Robertson for letting me come and speak. And my mom and uncle are here for endorser are here. And I'm so thankful to be behind this pulpit, to be teaching the Word of God. If you stand with me, we're going to read Philippians 4, 4 through 13. Say amen when you get it. Almost there. All right. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. We just gave our testimonies. I believe those are thinking on the good reports of God. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Now that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Are you glad that you can do all things through Christ, that he is your strength? He is your help. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to go ahead and read Romans 12 too. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God. Are you glad that we can be in this world but not of it? That we can be, we can have a transformed mind. We don't have to think like the world. When Brother Sebastian went to the hospital, the world says, you know, there might really not be a chance here. But as the church, we can come together and say, I have a transformed mind. I believe all things are possible through Christ. Daryl Gutter said, our culture puts emphasis on feelings. But the New Testament put the emphasis on thinking. Our conversion, for instance, powerfully transforms how we think. People conformed to this world often become mired in mental ruts, incapable of thinking outside certain boxes, lacking in spiritual imagination. When they encounter God's love in Christ, he begins to remake their minds, reshape their assumptions, renew basic decision-making. That's biblical formation a process of mental transformation to a new world of possibilities. He continued to say, to think as a Christian is to see ourselves 
through a new lens from God's perspective. When I look at my life, I don't really see a lot. But when I look at it through the eyes of God, I realize that I can think with a new mind, that it's not what I can do, but what he can do in me. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Our culture places emphasis on feelings. Follow your heart. Follow what you feel inside. But God is all the while saying, No, I want you to follow me. Don't follow your heart. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? No one but the Lord can know your heart and truest desires. But we must continue to seek after God. We must think on the things of God. We must put in our minds whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure. Not what we're depressed about. Not, a, not about what happened last week at work. Not what our brother or sister said about us. We must think on the things that are a good report. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are pure. Have you ever met someone just unwilling to think outside of a box? They're just captivated by their own world and what they think. It's my way or the highway. If you can't, if you can't have it my way, then just leave. Just leave. It can be so frustrating when you're trying to explain to them well this is really how it is especially if you're explaining something in the bible and you know that oneness is true and they're refusing to think outside of their box it's very difficult but that's how the world thinks they have a box that they can't think out of daryl grutter explained that we should have a spiritual imagination proverbs says where there is no vision the people perish if you can't imagine what god is going to do when i saw that greg was hurt was sick i began to think okay god's going to heal him god's going to do it we have faith we can envision that because we have a life of a transformed mind we don't have to think like the world we are in the world but we're not of it we don't have to think like them we don't have to act like them we don't have to dress like them Jesus comes and gives us a new mind. I was teaching the other day, walking. I'm teaching to first graders at a summer school, and we were walking back to the class, and they're yelling and screaming and running all over the hallway, so I'm trying to captivate their attention. And I told them to use their imagination, and we were going to pretend like we were going into a castle when we walked into our room. Now, they're in first grade, so they think that's really cool, except for one girl who said that she doesn't have an imagination and that she can't, everyone else is closing her eyes. She closes hers and says, Ms. Truxel, I can't see anything. (laughs) Well, can't you imagine? I said, don't you have an imagination? Can't you just pretend? And she was completely lost. I had no idea what I was talking about. And I was astounded that this six-year-old didn't know how to imagine something. Kids are usually the best at imagining. They're playing whatever they're playing outside in the backyard or in their rooms. They just imagine these creative things. My other students were telling me about their castle with tie-dye walls and cotton candy from the ceiling. And it was a place I really wanted to go. The Bible says that we must be like children. And I believe that's kind of what he was talking about when we must be able to imagine, you know what? God is going to do something. He is able. Now the Bible says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But I believe that he also said where there's no vision, the people perish. 
We have to have a vision. We have to believe our transformed mind has to be willing to think outside of the box that this world creates for us. When you have the Holy Ghost, Jesus remakes you. Jesus reshapes you and renews you. The, we make different decisions when you have the Holy Ghost. I have a friend, he told me the other day, he was in a fight. He got in an argument at work. And he said, I just said, I'm not going to stand here and fight with you. And the lady was really rude. And he said, I know I got the Holy Ghost because I didn't go off. I didn't get angry. Have you been there before when you, you could have said something? You wanted to say something, but you know you got the Holy Ghost when you, you kept silent. You kept still. We have the Holy Ghost inside of us to transform our minds to help us think on greater and better things. The secret of a transformed mind is found in keeping your mind thinking on good and righteous things of God. The Bible says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure. If you're not going back to that, if you're escaping those things and you're not thinking godly thoughts, you're thinking evil towards your brother, you're thinking you just can't stand them, you just don't want them around, it happens. But you must keep that transformed mind and pray for those who despitefully use you. It's time that we take on a transformed mind. We try not to think like the world. The, ch- the world views our, wor- our life as just something to get through. They want to get through it and have as much fun as possible. I'm not against having fun, but I believe that we were sent here for a purpose, to reach this world. I believe that we were sent here to do something. We have eternity awaiting us. If we are not living our lives to exemplify the name of Jesus Christ, if we are not seeking opportunities, the Bible says you were careful, but you lacked opportunity. If you're not seeking opportunity to witness to someone, to tell them about this word, about how they can have a transformed mind, if you're going around with a frown on your face, you never smile, no one even knows you have the Holy Ghost because they can't tell, that's a problem. Our new way of thinking empowers us to cultivate a life of peace. Jesus said that he is the prince of peace. He gives us gentleness, contentment, a positive appreciation for life itself. We can be happy when we wake up in the morning. I don't like to wake up. I love to sleep. I'll be the first to tell you. But when I begin to enter the presence of God and call on his name, I have an appreciation for a new day. He wakes me up every morning. He starts me on my way. I'm glad that I have Jesus on my side every day. We don't have to live in fear or anxiety. We are able to focus on the wonderful, magnificent things of God. Now, more than ever, the world's heart as are, as Luke said, failing them for fear. Have you just met someone who's always fearful, that doesn't have any truth? They just are always scared all the time. They're always depressed. They're all, they always have anxiety. We don't have to be like that. Frightening news reports about those things which are coming on earth unsettle the minds and pierce the hearts of the world. But it's time that the church looks up, lifts up their heads, for the, our redemption is drawing near. We, don't, we have time, but we don't have very much time. 
We don't know when God is coming. We have to be ready. We are supposed to be lights of this world, cities on hills. We have the truth. We have this apostolic doctrine. We don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to be depressed. You can call on the name of Jesus. Are you thankful that you can call on Jesus anytime? We don't have to look at chaos and we don't have to worry. God desires that we concentrate on cultivating a right relationship with him. He is seeking us. The Bible says that if we will draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to us. When you make that effort to come into the house of God, to lift up your hands, when you make that effort in the morning to pray, to talk to the Lord, when you go to sleep, when you talk to your friends about the Lord, God is all the while drawing more nigh to you because you are making the effort to draw nigh to Him. Our center of attention, we need to focus it. We need to maintain our heart, our mind, and a lifestyle that pleases God. We should constantly be thinking how we can please God, how we can do something for Jesus today. Today you're at church, but you're probably going to go eat. There's someone there needing a word from the Lord. If you refuse to give that, are you really living in a transformed mind? Or are you still thinking like the world that it's all about me? It's not all about us. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And there is a world dying and going to hell that we must reach out to. We must tell them about the good news of Jesus. There are good things in this Bible. It is all good. We have been given it to give to others. It's not something we can just keep to ourselves. The world offers a false sense of security. Oftentimes, insurance claims fall through and you didn't think you were as protected as you thought you once were. It always happens after the storm you realize that, oh, well, I really don't have tornado protection or flood protection. I really don't have that. The world offers this false sense of security. And they try to put us in their mold. But we must resist the world's efforts. With a transformed mind that focuses on the things of God, we can enjoy the true peace and assurance that only God can supply. Philippians 4.7 says that he gives us peace that passeth all understanding. We cannot understand the peace that God gives. When, When your husband leaves or your children are not serving the Lord or you lose your job, we cannot understand how we still have peace. We cannot know how we still have peace, but we can accept it. And the world should see our turmoil and our circumstances creating, trying to create fear, but we still can have peace with a transformed mind. When God originally designed us, he had Adam and Eve in the garden living in harmony with each other and with God. When the fall came, it shattered that peace. Soon they felt separation and fear from God. Genesis 3, 8 through 10 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among, amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? 
And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I have wanted times, isn't it so ironic, that they hid themselves in the trees where they were allowed to eat from. They went back to the place where they were allowed to be, but they were still hiding. I have found myself myself numerous times falling, feeling like I failed God, and hiding myself, feeling fear and separation from Him. But with a transformed mind, we don't have to feel that way. He wants you to feel peace. He wants you to know that you can come to Him. We are in the dispensation of grace, and we can call on Him. He is our Father. The song we sang, it says, He calls me friend. Not only is He my King and my Judge, but He is my friend, my ever-present help in the time of trouble. Are you glad that you serve a God that is there for you? Verse 3.12 shows us that they had disharmony with each other. Adam tried to say, oh, well, it was, it was Eve, the woman you gave me, the reason that I ate of that tree. They then had to begin a new chapter in soil and pain. In, anxiety, though, troubled their minds. What could their future hold? I'm sure, as you must think, if you were Eve or Adam, I would feel so depressed like I had completely failed God, the first one to really fail him. What could their future hold? Ever since the first sin entered the scene, problems and worries and uncertainties have plagued mankind. Beginning in the church, beginning in Philippi, had trouble and violence, adversities, suffering, and conflict. Yet Paul encouraged them to live a life with a transformed mind. We have the ability to not think like the world. We don't have to be like them. If you're feeling upset and uncertain today with your life, you must know that God still has a plan. He is faithful and just. He will always be our provider. We don't have to question what will our future hold. The Bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. One translation says he is the perfecter of our faith. I like to think that he is the author and the finisher. He knows what's going to happen. He's writing it, but he's also the perfecter. He can make it the way that it is supposed to be. Philippians 1 and 7 13 through 16 says, even as it is meet for me to think of all of you because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and into the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Paul wrote this while he was still in prison. He was in a place where he should have been afraid. He should have been feeling bad. But he wrote these words, and from the natural perspective, he should have been frightened. He was in jail. But his outlook remained optimistic and joyful. A mind transformed by Christ brought peace 
and security and freedom. He wasn't worried about tomorrow. He was still writing to the church. This is what you need to do. Have a transformed mind. Keep the faith. Don't lose sight of what God has given you just because your circumstance seems like it's not good. God is the author. He knows what he's doing. It's not just some guy writing your story. This is Jesus. The Bible says that we must rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoicing the, equals the Lord elevating our mind above our circumstance. David continually wrote psalms praising God despite what was going around him. He said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence my help cometh. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. I don't have to call on my sisters. I don't have to just call on my brothers. My help comes from the Lord. He is the maker of the universe, and He wants to help me. He wants to help you in your circumstance. He wants to elevate you above your circumstance. God reassures us in Psalms 46 through 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. We can be still and know that he is God. We don't have to run around being worried. We don't have to run around being scared. Be still and know that I am God. I find that so comforting that I don't have to be like everyone else. I feel like I have this special secret. I'm just going to be still and trust in God. Paul encouraged the church to rejoice continually. He's, the Philippi church had many challenges. Paul and Silas were in prison. Then at this time, specifically, Paul was in prison again. They were near the near death of their messenger, there was discord among their members, yet this whole book was about joy, how to have joy. There were problems with the people, there were problems with the leaders, but God said, have joy. You must seek God to have joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Are you glad that you can have joy in God? that no matter what your circumstance may be, we can still have joy. It's been said often, quit telling Jesus about your problem and tell your problem about Jesus. I believe this is when we can truly have joy. I'm going to tell Jesus, okay, Lord, this is what I need you to fix, and I'm going to believe he's going to fix it. Then I'm going to go tell the person that's given me all the problems. Oh, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about the good news that you too can have joy. And when they get the joy, I won't have to worry about them offending me anymore because they're going to be so happy in the Lord. We're all just going to be ready for the rapture. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. One translation says, The gentle spirit. Let your gentle spirit be known unto all men. It's good when people in the church realize that we are good. It's good when people in the church realize that we can be gentle and kind. We must also show the world. When someone gets your order wrong in the drive-thru, it's still good to be gentle. Let your gentle spirit be known unto all men. 
not excluding the cashier that charges you too much or forgets your cheeseburger. Paul instructed his younger co-workers, Timothy and Titus, to be gentle. We are God's creations. If he knows when the sparrow falls, then he knows when you hurt someone. He sees their hurt. And if you are causing that, he knows that. We must have a gentle spirit. We must show kindness and be gentle with those in the world and those in the church. Not just the people in the drive-thru, but the people in the church that offend you or didn't say praise the Lord to you. You still have to be gentle to them. People should see and feel a difference in your life. The Bible says that we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be troubled. We should have joy and we should express that joy. Philippians 4, 6 says we should be anxious for nothing. Our world is plagued with anxiety attacks and fear and trembling. But God says he knows our needs and he will provide. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and he'll take care of the rest. We don't have to worry. We should pray with thanksgiving. Be careful for nothing. An antidote for anxiety is prayer and supplication. You have to let go and let God. He is able Now you have to praise him for being able. We thank him for what he's going to do. 1 Peter 5 says, says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Not some of your cares, not the ones that are easy to deal with, but all your care upon him, because he careth for you. God thinks about you. That just blows my mind. In God's day, he thinks about me. He cares for me. He cares for you. The New Testament gives an example of two sisters, Mary and Martha, when they invited Jesus to dinner. Martha was cumbered about much serving. She complained that her sister would not help prepare the meals. And all the while, Mary stayed at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Jesus said Martha's problem was anxiety. She was careful and troubled about many things. He said about Mary that she found the source of true peace at Jesus' feet. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. We must not be worried even when we feel like others aren't helping how they should. We should not be so wrapped up in, well, this is what needs to be done, and this is how it is. You do what you need to do, and let God take care of the rest. I believe Sister Nona Freeman said it best. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator. If you're just watching and complaining about what other people are doing, we have a problem. We need to be participators in worship, even if they're not singing your favorite song. We need to be participators in giving to God. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator. And allow the peace of God to sustain you. The world claims to give peace, but Jesus is the true Prince of Peace. As I said before, he gives peace that passeth all understanding. Jesus told his disciples right before he left, he said in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
Jesus still offers us continual peace. When he was leaving, he said, My peace I give to you. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Paul preached to seek God's face even during anxiety. God offers peace as a substitute for the world's fear and anxiety. We can surrender that and let him take control and experience the true Prince of Peace. Jesus is coming. It's so vital that we have a pure heart. Luke twenty-one thirty-four says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with you and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawares. We must have a pure heart. I heard a preacher once say, if you accidentally curse, you can't just say, oh, that was an accident, because it was already in you. It was in you. It didn't just come out. You had it in your mind, in your heart. I quoted Jeremiah seventeen nine before, and I love this verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If it's in you, it's going to come out of you. It's so important to think on the godly things because it's going to come, whatever's in your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If it's in you, it's going to come out of you. Proverbs 4:23 says, "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out it out of it are the issues of life." One way to keep our hearts is to saturate them continually in the peace of God. We must also keep our minds during the execution by the Roman government. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1:7, "For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love." And of a sound mind. I quoted this verse when I first moved out on my own, I think, ten times a day. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It's so reassuring to know that God has not given me fear, but he's given me something greater. Love, power, and a sound mind. Paul also said, or James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we must keep that peaceful mind and not go back and forth of, Am I going to live in peace or am I going to live in fear? Am I going to be scared today? Am I going to be have an anxiety attack? Or am I going to seek the peace of God today? It's so important. God desires to transform our evil, ungodly thoughts to peace. We must think on Him. It's important that we try to live a positive life not a negative one. If you're walking around all the time saying how bad things are, how bad the world is, how bad the issues are, how bad gas prices are, how bad our economy is, that's not positive and uplifting. Yes, it is bad. But guess what? My God owns a cattle on a thousand hill. I don't have to worry about this world. In Noah's day, the people were corrupt that every imagination of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Our day seems pretty much the same. But Paul taught to reconstruct our thinking patterns, not on ungodly, evil, and hurtful thoughts, but on positive things. He gave us replacements to think on. Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, 
of a good report, virtue, or any praise. Think on these things. You must ask yourself, is the thing I'm thinking right now true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it a good report to God? Does it have any virtue? Does it have it? Is it praiseworthy? If it is, then you're seeking after a peaceful life, a transformed mind. If it's not, you need to change your thoughts. It's time that we begin to tell our coworkers our testimonies. When all of Boston Scientific hears about the miracle that God's going to show tomorrow, I believe there's going to be revival. We need to tell the healings that happen. We need to tell the miracles, signs, and wonders. I remember the first time I really told someone, yeah, someone got the Holy Ghost tonight at church. When I went back to my dorm and they were like, oh, what's the Holy Ghost? Oh, well, hold on, let me tell you. We need to tell them about the wonderful things that God is doing. Walk through every open door that God gives you to share this gospel, to share the plan of salvation. God is coming back and we must be ready. If we aren't sure if we are aligning, if we aren't sure our thoughts are aligning with the scripture, we just must continually ask ourselves. Memorize that scripture. Put a post-it note on your mirror. Put a post-it note on your steering wheel, but don't read it while you're driving. Just before you drive. Meditate on the good things and avoid the wicked. Psalms 1 explains that meditating on the law of the Lord as the path to blessing and an alternative to the evil thinking of the ungodly sinners and the scornful. When you constantly think about the goodness of Jesus, when you're constantly thinking about how awesome God is and how wonderful He has made you, there's no time for wicked thoughts. I don't have time to worry about what my brother's saying because I love Jesus. I'm not worried about what my sister's doing because I still love Jesus. Our actions must be positive. Paul taught, and a transformed mind resulted in a righteous, godly lifestyle. I often have heard it said by my parents, by my teachers, do as I say, not as I do. It was so frustrating to that. So frustrating to hear that. And I've definitely done that to my students that I'm teaching. I'm sitting on the table, and they come and sit by me. No, no, you're not allowed to sit on the table. This is a special teacher thing. When you get your license, then you can join me. But really, Paul told us that we must, our actions must be pure and godly too. He frequently encouraged churches to follow his actions. We have to do what we're saying, not just speaking the good and godly thoughts, not just thinking them, but show your works. We should be beacons of light, not the ones casting shadows. We should be the ones standing there enabling people to see Jesus. Our lives should show forth praise, not negativity, not hurtful and evil thoughts. 
Colossians 3.17 said that we need to live a lifestyle to be godly both in speech and in deed. We are witnesses to a pagan world. Many times we are called hypocrites. And yes, we are going to fail. We are going to mess up. And that's why we're so thankful for the grace of God. But we must try to live that life of positive actions, positive thoughts. Paul taught that we must teach to the church. We must ourselves in the church learn. We must seek God. We must come to church to learn. We must study to show ourselves approved. He taught proper doctrine and conduct. First, or Thessalonians 4, 1 through 2 says that we should avoid fornication, an important area, an important thing in a world in loose morals. We must stand for holiness. We must stand for what is right in the word of God. While many of magicians in Paul's day made bizarre claims that some people believe, Paul offered a different kind of message, a savior, Christ Jesus, who died for their sins and resurrected from the dead. We must seek the willing and hungry that they may hear the word. We must keep telling them. If you find someone that doesn't want to listen, dust off your feet and walk to someone else. There is a world dying. All of the people that you work with, all of the people you go to school with, all of the people that you see at every restaurant you go to are seeking something and you have that special treasure. How dare we keep that to ourselves and not share it with this world? I've heard it said, win them all, let God sort them out. Don't worry about what their job is. Don't worry about what they act like. We can't be worried about what they look like now. They don't have Jesus yet. Paul not only taught, but he practiced. He modeled Christian conduct. He died to himself. He allowed Christ to live through him. We have to be in the world, not of it. I heard a preacher say last week at church camp that our, we should have an accent of grace. It should always be on our lips. When you have an accent, when you go somewhere else, it's not just gone immediately. That accent is how you talk. We should have an accent of grace. It should always be on our minds. It should always just flow out of us. An ac- I want to live in an accent of grace. We shouldn't be like the world. We shouldn't put ourselves in the position where they do, filling, them, filling their minds with ungodly TV shows and movies, music. They question the Bible. We can't do that. This, this word, everything in this word is true. We have a promise. We can know God through this. We don't have to fill our minds with worldly things to satisfy us because we have the greatest thing ever given. We shouldn't fit in at work. We shouldn't feel like we fit in there. When everyone goes out on Friday night, you shouldn't feel upset because they don't invite you. You should be glad 
Wow, they noticed. I'm a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. It shouldn't bother you to be different. You should, be, you should just start shouting right there. They'll really know. We should always be willing and desiring to do more for God. But Paul said that we must balance this with being content in God. If this is where you're at and this is where God wants you, then stay there. People in the world are always looking for more, better cars, better houses, better jobs, to better themselves. They want to look like they're the best. But we can be content in the peace of God with a transformed mind. We can know I have Jesus and that's all that I ever need. I might not have the best job. I might not have the best car. I might not be the best looking. I might not have the best clothes. But guess what? I have Jesus in my heart. Philippians 2.21 says, says, For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Paul commended Timothy for putting others' needs before his own. We should do the same. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. What can I do to exemplify Jesus today? How can I help somebody? How can I do something that will encourage my brother and sister in the Lord or those that are in the world? We should always be seeking opportunity to do something for God, to do something for people. Paul knew God would supply all his needs, whether it was what he ate and drank, whether it was where he was going to live, or whether it depended on whether he was in danger or not. Philippians 4.12 says, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Serving Jesus is about giving, not getting We have to take on the mind of Christ, a mind dedicated to humble and obedient service. The Sheaves for Christ motto used to be, live to give. This should be our motto every day. Are you living to give? He said that they, the Bible says they were careful, but they lacked opportunity. Every day I wonder, I often wonder, How many people am I passing by that I'm supposed to tell something to? How many people did I just walk down the grocery aisle and not say anything to? They know you're different. They can see it. And when you walk past them and you felt that tug in your heart and you refused to say anything, I bet they would think we were hypocrites, saying that we have such great things we want to share, but then we don't. I'm guilty of it so many times. But we are able to live a life of accomplishment. Jesus is our source of strength. He said, without me, ye can do nothing. But then in Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I attended a church not too long ago, not a Pentecostal church. I won't say which one it was. It was in Bloomington. I'll tell you that. And the minister said, he was talking about Lauren Spear being gone. And he said, you know, not all things are possible with God. And I know you think that's confusing, but they're not. He couldn't. He, you know, he's not just going to show us. 
I was so angry as I was sitting there on that pew to hear the pastor of the church say, not all things are possible. I don't know about you, but my Bible says I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. After that service, I felt like I needed to give him a Bible study, but I resisted. Paul wanted his life to count. He worked hard for the Lord. He knew his labor was not in vain. He was seeking he was seeking after God to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Second Timothy four eight says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, with the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I'm ready to seek God. I'm ready to have a joyful life. I'm ready to have a peaceful life of contentment. Seeking more in God, but content in what He has already given me. I'm ready for that day to come when He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. There is power in a transformed mind. Although the world tries to invalidate our efforts to serve God by focusing on Jesus, we can do all things. I had a friend say, you have to remember, it's not about people, it's about Jesus. It's not about your friends, it's about Jesus. It's not about the four walls of this building, it's about Jesus. It's not about the song they're singing, it's about Jesus. It's not if the preacher or the teacher says the right thing that just makes you feel good, it's about Jesus. What does this word say? That's what it's about. It's about Jesus. Through the power of God, absolutely anything is possible. He can turn your world upside down. Many rejected Paul throughout his days of teaching and preaching and writing, yet he remained dedicated. He had a life of joy, peace, contentment, and accomplishment. The world, as it was in Paul's day, wants us to fit into their mold. They don't really want us to have peace. They don't really want us to have joy. They don't know what true peace and true joy is. We can't accept their false versions. We have Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. The one that has created us to be the way we are. He has put you exactly where he wants you. A mindset shaped by this evil world robs the believer of peace, godliness, and effectiveness for Christ. We must resist the world's pull and influence on our thinking. That's why it's so important to think on the things that are good. We can't continually think on the world's things. That's why it's important to turn the TV off and sit with your family. It's important to spend time with them and think on the good things of God. We should concentrate on these things, such as the scripture, which will make us wise unto salvation. We should think on the good things. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We must give ourselves to prayer. We must, by a means of a transformed mind, we can experience a positive, fulfilling life of peace and assurance. 
Are you glad to know that the maker of the universe wants to give you peace? The God of this earth is concerned about you. He careth for you. Let's go ahead and stand and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. God, we thank you for your peace and your contentment. We thank you for giving us strength and giving us joy. We thank you for blessing us, for being our friend and our father. I pray that every person that's in here, God, that is seeking after your peace, that wants to have a transformed mind, that you would meet them here today, God, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would speak to their minds, that we would live in a life of peace and contentment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's, uh, uh, Hannah's going to be going to Bible school this fall, correct?